I'm Blake Hargreaves. Welcome to Future Stops. You're hearing the music of Hampus Lindwall, resident of Brussels, organist at Église du Saint-Esprit in Paris, improviser, performer, and emerging techno artist, whose collaborations with the old guard of the pipe organ world and contemporary art circles defy simple categorization. Lindwall's musical journey contains all of the twists and turns you'd expect from someone with such an eclecticism of interests and abilities. Like other past Future Stops guests, he started playing music on a very different instrument before the organ found him. I started to play the electric guitar when I was a kid because my elder brothers, they were doing music, so I was just wanted to play with them. So I, I started the guitar, which was kind of one of the things that were around. I played a lot of rock music, then I got into jazz, funk, but also heavy metal, a lot of different different things, actually. and. Uh, organ came a little bit later i met um, a friend of my father's who's an organ amateur organist and he took me to a church when i was around 15 years old and it was in the middle of the night we uh, he had the keys we went in it was pitch dark we went up to the organ and i saw this big thing with uh, pipes everywhere keyboards everywhere, like buttons, pedals, drawbars, God knows. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do now. What did this mean for your guitar playing? Like how, how would, you know, was it about the volume of the organ? Uh, was that sort of the connection or, or was it just something completely new? In the end, the, the two instruments are quite similar. They're really loud. It's an impressive instrument in a way. And um, I think that's what I found I found interesting. I also found interesting that this friend of my father's who showed me the organ, he was just jamming on the organ and that seemed so different from other classical instruments where it seemed more like you had to play scores and learn things. But he was just pulling out some, some stops and started playing and, and created music instantly. And I thought that was... A very interesting uh, thing and I understood later that that was quite singular in classical music and that's something that is really proper to the to the, to the organ well so then um, I got into learning uh, the organ when I was uh, I started taking lessons when I was maybe 16 and then I went to a high school that was for uh, it was like a special high school in Sweden for people who was either uh, talented in mathematics or music or, or or literature. And then I could get piano lessons there. So I had piano lessons and guitar lessons. And I continued to play then the, the, the electric guitar. And then I, I started to study mostly Bach in the beginning of the organ because it was so fascinating to have all this repertoire there that you could learn so much from that I could transpose to whatever else I was doing. So I was really into Bach, Messiaen also, and uh, some early music that I also found really interesting. And um, before long in the conservatory, uh, you began to... Uh 
get into some more experimental contemporary practices. Uh, Were there any specific influences or inspirations that you had to pursue this route? I think I, I'm, since I started music, it was to to create things. So even though I studied a lot of of uh, repertoire, I was always interested in composing new new stuff. Even though I didn't really know yet what that would be. So then um, after high school, I I I also didn't really choose what I wanted to do. So I applied for the conservatory in Stockholm on guitar and to the organ to the classical department on the organ. And then I was kind of sure that it would get accepted on the guitar because that was my main instrument. And the organ I didn't play for a very long time, actually, by then. But fate paid me be accepted in the organ department and not in the jazz department. So then I thought, okay, I will just do more of this for a while and then and then let's see. And uh, and yeah, then, of course, that that's more of like, Classical studies, and I, I still was interested in doing uh, uh, new music and contemporary music. And I had a really great improvisation teacher in Stockholm, and that helped me a lot to also develop this side already by then. Quite early, I understood that I needed to work with uh, composers who had really gave all their time to research new music to to be able to do something that would go out of certain predefined patterns, so to say. So then after the, the conservatory, when I, when I, after I studied in Stockholm, I, I wanted to study in France. And then I went to Paris. I was reaching out then to some people at uh, IRCON at the time, and I got really good friends with a couple of really great composers there. And um, and that was maybe what, what changed the my uh, direction, so to say. At the same time, Lindwall is broadening his horizons in one direction with the composers at IRCAM, a French institute dedicated to the research of music and sound. A fortunate job opportunity pushed him further in another direction. Well, I was appointed organist in Saint-Esprit in 2005. And, um, and I also, I did my first album dedicated to Jean de Messieurs, where I recorded her music at the organ of Saint-Esprit and in La Madeleine in Paris, where she was also organist the last years of her life. And uh, I was doing so much of this French tradition playing de Monsieur Falcinelli, Dupré, uh, Messiaen as well. So I think people were more, I think I was more known for this type of music for a long time. And then... Um, I started to put out some other records with people that was either with uh, electronics, with different musicians, uh, working more with uh, composers. I also set up a fixed installation in the church, actually, with electronics that I started to use more and more. So I also use this during mass. And I'm trying to explore a lot of new sounds and new music in, in the parish. And I've always had really, really we- great response to this because this is also something that 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 is uh, encouraged by the Catholic Church, just at least in in France, that the that only when you're in unknown territory 
you could come close to anything that is uh, unknown or ununderstandable, like like God. You cannot understand God, and that's why contemporary music was always really welcomed, also in 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 the or not only contemporary music but contemporary art and artistic expressions. That it's the only way that you could approach something incomprehensible. Wow. Um... Do you feel, though, that there are uh, constraints and limits and a, a pull towards conformity uh, on that kind of expression in in this church context? No, nothing. Just very, very, very open-minded. It's uh, it's been a gradual process, also. I mean, as my language also developed, so I, I didn't come there the first day and, and played clusters on Bukti for. 15 minutes at the end of the mass, but it's been a gradual process to to, to go in different directions. And I, uh, even though I still play a lot of classical music in the mass, so it's it's not that I'm only doing this, but I, I, it's a great part of it. That the, the fact that it's integrated into the mass is, seems remarkable to me. Yeah, I, I just think that uh, that's, uh, that's the way it should be. I mean, people were, if we have a mass today, we should play music of today. We shouldn't be, uh, I mean, we also have historical references as well in the texts, but also even the sermon is uh, using older material to reflect on today's society. So the the music should definitely do the same, even though I also play, especially for the, for the uh, Lent or Easter or Christmas when we have great repertoire by Bach or other composers. But for other times, I think it's really important that the music is also reflecting on today's society. The freedom Lindwall enjoys playing mass at Saint-Esprit in Paris also extends to his overall artistic practice, like his ongoing work with visual artist Corey Archangel. So since uh, an early age, I also had um, <clears throat> interest in visual arts. So when I met, um, I was already a fan of uh, Corey Archangel as an artist. He's an American artist who uh, was actually studying music. So he came from music studies and he st studied with Pauline Oliveros and um, he uh, slided over to visual arts, so to say. So when we started to to uh, talk about all this, we were, we were just feeling that we had a lot of, of common uh, interest and also in experimental music and in, in contemporary music and rock, etc. So uh, I asked Corey if he didn't want to write something for the organ. And then uh, we kind of uh, started to collaborate on, on the piece, I think. I, I transcribed another piece first that he did for, for some other instruments that I played at the concert. And then he wrote one piece for me. And then we started to have people getting interested in this. So we got a commission for Art Night London to do a concert with uh, where we had a budget also to invite other composers. We started to uh, talk to people that were in between visual arts and, and music, or maybe some even didn't have any music background at all. We uh, all commissioned music from them and they could kind of approach it however they wanted to do it. And um, this became quite popular, actually. So a lot of people got interested in what we were doing. 
So we also had um, a second edition of this uh, last year, but it was during the Corona uh, pandemics. So we had a total online experience with uh, project issue project group in New York. So this we have a uh, we wanted to do something. It was trying to see what was going on on different online concerts. So we figured out that we could do it as a, some kind of performance, the whole experience. So in the end, it becomes like a video piece that you can watch from the beginning to the end that is actually happen, happening inside a mobile phone. And uh, in the end, we have also composed ourselves to all those uh, events and we have generated around 20 pieces, I think, for the organ from those, thanks to those events. And some of them are um, maybe difficult to perform or so because they were done for a special occasion. But there are several pieces that I've, I've been performing and now people are also asking to be to get the scores to perform them as well. So it's, it's uh, been a successful uh, kind of uh, work together. And we're now pl planning on making a, a third version of this. So... It was a good connection, a good collaboration because of this um, side of you that's open to all of that. It seems like very rare that a musician is playing sacred music every week in church, also interested in popular culture and experimenting with new music forms in the church context. Uh, it seems like a lot of people who... Uh, play come from the conservatory or play in church feel like they're not really permitted um, to explore all of these different areas or that they they're somehow uh, need to stay separate and um, what what gives you permission to to do all of this I think it's really important to see the quality of the work from people if if you look at really great works of art you have you would have some Bach music there. You would have Michael Jackson's Thriller, which is a masterpiece from the beginning to the end. I mean, there is nothing to do. This album is just like a masterpiece. It would be here thousand years from now. People will still be talking about it, and it doesn't matter that it's it's considered popular culture. I think there's many things in between. It, it's very important to 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 see beyond the. the image of things and understand the, the the true meaning that's been a big problem for catholicism since we are speaking about this because in the bourgeoisie to so to say you often have a kind of because it's a fet fetishism you have a type of uh, uh, appearance in the in, in church with uh, appearance of uh, the iconography, the way you're dressed, what you're doing, etc. But to really go into the depth of your belief, it's a different story. And I think the, um, that's something that, that is quite similar to to really understand why why you like, what were you, where you can really appreciate the, the, the quality of a, of a work. And I think one of the reasons for this is that with everything that you can appreciate, you have to understand, you have to have the keys to understand it. And 
this is something that people often don't really understand that those are different languages and you learn when, when you go to a conservatory you play a lot of classical music you play a lot of you study everything you you get the tools for deciphering cl classical music but this doesn't give you the tools to decipher a techno album you have to l listen to a lot of techno music to understand which are the albums that are actually canonic and that will become but if you know this that doesn't give you gives you the clue the clues to to decipher uh, Schumann uh, Schumann's music so you have to learn every type of language to be able to appreciate it so if i say would you prefer this poem or this other poem that is in chinese you would prefer the one in english but it's not because it's better it's just because you don't understand the language and it's really the same thing with music Lindwall's generous and open-minded approach to creation is evident in the combinations of instruments and sounds he employs in his work, creating entirely new languages that interface traditional instruments with modern technologies. So with this piece, Brace for Impact, I mean, there's many things. Um, basically, the, it's some kind of uh, wrestling match between the organ and the electric guitar. And you have this... Uh, I discovered that, that this electric guitar app on the iPad that I was working on something else, actually, that you could do this super long glissandi, which you cannot really do uh, maybe for real. So I thought that was kind of an interesting sound. And then I thought maybe if I try to play this on the organ, because this Tsenakis has used this a lot with these really long slides, etc. And I wanted to do something on the organ together with it just to see that Actually, you can't really, you, you see that the, the instruments are heavy to manipulate in, in uh, their own ways. So I can only do chromatically on the, on the organ. And then I, I kind of patched this together in a, in a composition, uh, like a, a computer program. And then uh, I, I, I also, then I noticed that the samples, they tune down their guitars. So the, it's not really the same pitch as the rest. I thought, okay, I have to, to maybe change this too. And then I started to think that, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Because if you think of, uh, you have this a lot in like early sample-based music, like in hip hop, for instance, Biggie has this like, boom, 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 where the bass is in, that goes in an, on an E. And then you have, Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your verses hypnotize me. It's in G-sharp minor. And nobody ever cared that it wasn't in the same tonality and it just works perfectly. So I thought, why should, shouldn't I try to do it like this? So that's what I'm also doing here. So every nothing really matches. And I can, kind of like the, the effect that that gave also.
You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard today's feature piece, Brace for Impact, by Hampus Lindwall, a recording of the world premiere of the piece at Musica Strasbourg in 2020. Through working in both the religious and contemporary music worlds, Lindwall manages to see beyond the constraints of both, creating works which not only defy categorization, but whose existence openly questions it. I don't think there is such thing as religious or non-religious music. I mean, it's definitely a, like, a, how do you say, an experience that goes beyond. You cannot explain music so well. It's, it's sound waves uh, making your ears vibrate. So I don't, I don't really think it could be... I also have difficulty seeing that things are... are uh, I mean, you can do something provocative, but can you really do... Can you really provoke anymore? I mean, it's difficult to be really provocative today, I think. M- many provocations have been there. I mean, you can definitely be provocative in different ways but i i don't yeah it's it's uh, it comes to, it's i think art is always on a different level and uh, and now of course i'm talking about art on a really high level now because with great art you never have one interpretation you always have many interpretations there is not one way of reading proofs there's not one way of reading sample there's not one way or seeing or interpreting, in, interpreting uh, really great works of art. They always have many different uh, outcomes depending on how you read them, how you see them, what's your own experience, and, what's your, and what you want to get out of them. The organ is seen so strongly through the lens of the religious institutions who have cultivated and promulgated the instrument, and less so through the Industrial Revolution, which had its own defining effect on the story of the music made for organ. How that music is interpreted is informed by this history and the almost militant subjectivity of religion's self-definition. Lindwall's words and his whole practice seem to remind us of the rewards of taking a broader view, seeing what unites art for worship with other art and other kinds of worship with each other. The behavior of veneration, placing something essential about us outside of ourselves to be comforted by it or marvel at the mystery of it, knows no bounds in contemporary society. Artists help us find whatever language we need to understand and celebrate these aspects of our lives. We'd like to thank Hampus Lindwall for joining us today. We'd love it if you would join us too on social media at Future Stops and Future Stops Podcast, where you can bring your voice to the conversation. If you enjoy what we're doing and you want to help support this exciting and unique program, We have an account at Patreon, a paid subscription service used by many programs like ours to pay the bills. Visit patreon.com slash futurestops to sign up. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists produced by Andrew O'Connor with Sanjay Parker as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves.